caught sight of the virtual hardwood, it's the NLSE Podcast. This is episode number 458. I am Andrew, Andrew in our forum, and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. I'm joined as always by my co-host Derek. He is DP3 in our forum, and also on Twitter at DP3G and DP384. Derek, we're recording this on Christmas Eve my time, Christmas Eve Eve your time, and by the time it goes live it will be Christmas Day pretty much everywhere. Tis the season. Merry Christmas, my friend. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. Um, I hope you're doing well. I hope our community is doing well. And this will be a fun episode, Andrew. Um, there will be a lot of positivity on this show as we will be going over you know, what we are thankful for in relation to basketball gaming. And then after that, we will be covering our favorite holiday gifts related to Hoops Gaming. And we also received quite a few community responses to that topic as well. A lot of, lot of holiday cheer this week. Uh, only appropriate. No, absolutely. And somebody just uh, posted a message on the Discord asking if anybody wanted to jump on Parsec and play a game. So basketball gaming doesn't stop around the holidays, right? In fact, growing up, for me, um, basketball gaming was a huge part of the holidays you know whether it be christmas eve christmas day uh the day after uh it, it didn't matter uh because sometimes our gifts also were related to basketball gaming so and i know that's the same case with you of course i mean my my story as i've said before my cousin clinton would come down every school holidays so not just the christmas holidays which are the summer holidays here in australia obviously um would come down every holidays and we'd play basketball games Pretty close to 24-7, I guess, as, as much as we certainly could, knowing that we had the two weeks to uh, to play together and then five or six weeks over summer. So that are so many fond memories of hanging out with my cousin who is around our age and I grew up with. And yeah, just uh, love playing basketball over the basketball games over the holidays. And of course, when we would uh, when we needed to take a break from games, we'd go outside and shoot around or, or try and uh, replicate the top 10 uh, plays of the week in the courtside countdown of NBA action. Yeah. So similar for me, but just with my brothers, uh, it was either basketball gaming or hooping outside. So we had a hoop in the driveway. And um, even when it was snowing out, we would make sure to like shovel out a spot on the court where we could stand so we could shoot and whatnot. And we have a lot of fond memories of playing outside, you know, during all seasons, whether it be, you know, winter, spring, summer or fall. And like you stated, you know, if you if you couldn't play outside, you were you were jumping on the virtual hardwood and and playing virtual basketball. And when it wasn't that, we were watching NBA on NBC, or we would be watching the Celtics on you know, whether it be on Fox Sports Net or Sports Channel and whatnot. And we would watch basketball movies, so it was just basketball all the time. Like I, I remember how excited I used to get whenever White Men Can't Jump came on like HBO. Or Showtime because we had both, and that used to play all the time in the '90s. And when you watched Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes in that movie, and that you know street ball action and whatnot, it made you want to hit the park. It made you want to go to the park and, and play hoops and or play out in the driveway like I did with my brothers and whatnot because we're so close in age and everything. So it was just like basketball, basketball, basketball all the time. That's uh, that describes my childhood as well. Certainly, my later childhood and early adolescence. Uh, yeah, just just basketball all the time, as you say, playing uh, either in the backyard, playing 
uh, then later of course playing um competitively in the local league playing video games watching it just everything basketball and when my cousin was able to come down getting involved uh, just so much more fun actually i remember one holidays uh clint and i we rented uh, blue chips the uh, movie with shack and uh yeah and of course had to go out and uh try to replicate some of the highlights that he and uh, penny had in that uh in that movie on the uh in, in my backyard hoop so yeah just just renting those films and celtic pride and all all, all the classics and uh and yeah just playing our favorite uh, games of the time as well and uh yeah as we said before it's funny we've, we've had a very similar experience growing up uh with basketball and basketball games despite being on opposite sides of the world and blue chips is a great movie mm. and that's neon Badeau and butch mccray so Shaq and penny who starred in that movie and then nick nolte was the coach and um slash recruiter and then bob Cousy made an appearance and made a bunch of free throws in a row which he really made on set even Uns- at his age just, yeah, yeah yeah unscripted and whatnot i have a lot of memories related to that movie and like you stated it made you want to you know go out and play and it almost made you want to go find like an abandoned warehouse to play in or something like that yeah. because you remember um shack's highlights in that movie um when they're they they go to recruit him and whatnot and watch him play and it's just like in this really dark gym in louisiana and whatnot yeah, yeah. and he, yeah in louisiana he's just throwing it down on everybody um a lot of memories with basketball movies growing up you know movies like hoosiers um and and whatnot and it all just comes back to the love for the game and like you said we we share very similar experiences in relation to that and as you'll hear on this show and we're going over what we're thankful for in relation to basketball gaming and whatnot um basketball gaming just played a huge role in that love for basketball oh for sure i mean before we get right into it i'll I'll throw out a general what i'm thankful for is uh basketball gaming and modding in general not just being a fun hobby but also a creative outlet and and a way to have a community and be a part of a community for these past over 20 years for me so i'm very thankful for that no, oh, yeah. I mean, it's a good distraction, right? Sure. And it's also one that, like you stated, you can get creative with and have endless amount of laughs with your friends or brothers or like you with your cousin and whatnot. Uh, so you can get the creative juices going. You can have a bunch of laughs. Um, you can get super competitive like Stildo and the community stated when he basically was playing the playoffs on a shootout game and you know, punching his friend's arm and everything. Um, but yeah, there's so much to love about what basketball gaming brings to the table as far as like an overall positive experience. And before I get that, I have a pretty big list of what I'm thankful for. Just fair warning. Before I get to that, what I'm most thankful for are my two brothers, uh, just in general. But obviously with basketball gaming, we've just had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of hours in our lives playing all different basketball games from all different companies and it goes all the way back to double dribble um you know then going one-on-one on on jordan versus bird or doing the three-point contest or dunk contest you know it goes to you know bulls versus blazers nba showdown ncaa basketball dick vitale's awesome baby college basketball nba live 96 nba live 98 nba live 2000 then a ton of time on live 2003 four five six and then you know the 2ks when 2k7 is when we switched all the time we spent on nba 2k7 8 9 10 11 12 13 and then a ton of time on 14 16 and 17 we have just spent 
so much time on those games and created so many memories and had so much fun. I'm very thankful for them for, and their love for basketball video games. And at the same time, um, their love for basketball in general, um, because that's what started it all was that love for the game. And then I also want to thank the community. I'm very thankful for the community that we've, you know, connected with on Parsec, you know, the NLSC Discord, uh, the NLSC Forum, the people that continue to support the forum, support the podcast, support your articles, um, continue to create great mods and all of that stuff. We have a super talented community of modders and, um, they are absolutely awesome to connect with and play with as well. Oh, 100%. And to that point, you know, I had my cousin growing up. Uh, a couple of my friends were kind of into basketball for a while there, but I was really like the basketball fan at school. So I uh, so I didn't always have somebody to talk to about basketball apart from my, my cousin. So getting online and having that the NLC community to talk hoops with, virtual or otherwise, was uh, was so has been so great over the past 20 plus years that I've been... 21 years that I've been running the site and over 20 years over 21 years that I've been a part of the community going back to my original site the uh, the NBA live domain so getting on there getting to talk to people on the other side of the world like you Derek you know and and making friends the world over um, it's just been so special and uh, that that is what sport can do and what basketball can do bring people together like that it sounds corny and cliche especially at this time of the year but but no it really does bring people together sport and basketball and uh, and, and to, that love of the game and to be able to share that love is uh, is very special and something that sometimes with some of the arguments on social media and whatnot and i know we're being positive this week but it's, it's very easy to lose sight of that as we argue our opinions sometimes but it's important to realize hey we love an awesome sport here and we should celebrate that and you know you and i have been really close i'd say probably for the last three years and we've been doing the show together for three years now and um you know operating the nlse youtube together and whatnot and sharing each other's work on twitter and sharing the community's work together etc um without basketball gaming um you and i may never have known each other yeah, that's right. right? Yeah. <laughs> so this this friendship, this friendship wouldn't have happened and we wouldn't have had all of these positive experiences, you know, with the community. And then, you know, you and I connecting on Parsec and whatnot. Basketball gaming really can bring people together if you're exploring it through the right lens and, and with the right attitude and whatnot. And I am very thankful for the sport of basketball. And then, like I stated, for the video games that came because of it. Before we go on, a reminder that the NLSC podcast comes out every week on the NLSC, mb-line.com, as well as our YouTube channel. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. If you're listening on any of those apps, we'd greatly appreciate a review. To keep up with the show and everything we're doing with basketball gaming in general, connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are the NLSC. We also have an Instagram, NLSC Basketball, and on YouTube, we're youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. Once again, visit us at nba-live.com, where in addition to the podcast, you'll also find all of our original content, as well as our forum and modding community. You mentioned Double Dribble. You got into basketball and basketball gaming a bit earlier than I did. Uh... I'm very thankful for Live 95 and NBA Jam Tournament Edition, the Super Nintendo version of 95 and uh, NBA Jam TE on PC. Kind of my introduction to basketball gaming, and I'm not sure that I could have had 
a better introduction to basketball gaming than those two classic titles. No, that's fantastic. I mean, you got the Sim Space title and the Arcade Space title as your introductions, and two of the best ones. So you can't really beat that. Um, yeah, for me, my number one that I'm thankful for is Double Dribble. Um, like you mentioned, uh, it's I think it's the title that really brought basketball gaming to people's homes. It, it made basketball gaming at home popular. That's the way I look at it. It was such a big deal. And I'll, I'll never forget being, you know, four or five years old and my dad's friend, Brian, would come over and they would start their double dribble session, I'd say maybe at around eight or nine o'clock in the evening, and they would play until it got light out mm. in the morning. That's how much double dribble was loved in my household. And I remember going to bed at night and waking up early the next morning and they were still playing it with the sun up <laughs> and um people got to realize is, double dribble may be a simple game um overall like it doesn't have like dribbling mechanics and it doesn't have like a season mode or anything like that but it was simple fun basketball action and it's something that my dad had always dreamed that he was going to be able to do right on the virtual hardwood because he was such an NBA fan and he loved the Celtics. He never missed a Celtics game and whatnot. So I am really thankful for double dribble for really bringing basketball video games, making it basically making basketball video game popular in households around the world. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And as you say, it does look very simple, very primitive by today's standards, but the, the, the fun you could have, the, the head-to-head competition as well, playing with a friend, playing till early hours in the morning, you could absolutely do. We've connected on it a couple of times, and uh, to that point, I'm thankful whenever I can make a dunk in Double Dribble. Yeah, I mean, I'll never forget that session I had with you, and <laughs> I've never seen more missed dunks. And what's funny is you're using Chicago there, so you have the expectation exactly. that you're using like Orlando Woolridge possibly and Michael Jordan. I know that every player is bald and looks the same in that game but when you're using chicago you're thinking mid 80s jordan woolrich right and definitely didn't pan out that way for you because you just kept missing dunks meanwhile i was bombing threes from like 35 feet and knocking them down yeah ended up making the top 10 um and this list by the way that i'm going over as far as what i'm thankful for it's not covering everything because this show would go on for hours. Oh, yeah. Um, Easily. But I'm, <laughs> I'm touching some of the finer points because I'm not even going to really go into Jordan versus Bird, which was another one of my first and really thankful for that title and you know what it brought to the table as far as something different from the five on five experience. And it was also used as motivation for a lot of titles that came after it, including games like NBA All-Star Challenge and whatnot, which I know is one of your favorites. Of course. Just kidding. Uh, I mean, is not a big fan of All-Star Challenge. I mean, I like having, <laughs> I like having it in the collection. It's interesting to revisit. Uh, it's it's definitely not the best title that has come along on the virtual hardwood. But those early titles did pave the way. Oh, no, 100%. Um, so I'll get into my next uh, item that I'm thankful for, and then you can get into yours. Uh, Tecmo Super NBA Basketball. This one may be surprising to people, but mm. it was the introduction to stat tracking during season mode and portraits for players and if you think about it how 
has that gone since Tecmo Super NBA Basketball? It's basically been a feature in every single basketball video game, at least any five on five game and whatnot. So, but for that to come out in the early nineties and to be able to, you know, play through a season and it's tracking your points, rebounds, assists, et cetera. Um, and, you know, for you to go into the player profile and it's showing the players, you know, a digitized portrait for the players and whatnot, it really brought like the card collecting experience to video games. Right. Oh, for sure. And we were so into collecting basketball cards. I'll never forget when my older brother uh, traded a Sedale Freed card for a, I think it was like a rookie Shaq card to our neighbor. He, tra- he did a trade with, with our neighbor because our neighbor didn't know much about basketball at all. So he was able to get away with it. So my brother ended up getting like a rookie Shaq. And the um, the neighbor was stuck with Sedale Freed. Um, <laughs> that happened a lot but... back in the day of card collecting and trading at school, I remember. Basketball cards actually ended up getting banned at my, my primary school, which is our elementary school, because too many young kids were getting ripped off by older kids saying, oh, I'll trade you this for this, and uh, getting ended up, like you say, <laughs> getting these Shaq rookie cards or Michael Jordan cards for uh, much lesser players, and it became a bit of an issue with parents in the school. I have a very, very fond memory of you remember tray tables we used to use tray tables to eat on and to do other stuff with um but i remember setting up a tray table outside with my card binder and a big stack of cards and i remember just spending hours outside in the shade like under a tree like organizing my basketball cards and i i feel like i can feel that experience like right now like remembering it it's so like vivid for me. And it was just an awesome time. I I loved collecting and I loved organizing and I loved, you know, getting creative with, with that. Um, but yeah, you know, Tecmo super NBA basketball, bringing it back to basketball video games, it kind of brought the, um, fun of card collecting to the virtual hardwood with those player menus and And whatnot in the stat tracking. And that was also back in those days, as you said, the, the, obviously the, the details during gameplay on players, uh, was more primitive at that time they were starting to differentiate between plays you might have a ball play you might have a player with a a, a throw or, or a fade or whatever so there would be some kind of differentiation on the, on the player heads slightly but when you went into the into the menus and you saw digitized portraits that was the, the most accurate representation of the player in the game yeah and like it really brought it to life right which is you know what we wanted we wanted the games to um, you know, be brought more to life. Um, so what's the next thing that you're thankful for? Well, I'm going to say NBA Live 96 PC because that continued my love of basketball gaming. It was my first uh, PC game that I owned. I had the I was actually rented the Super Nintendo version of Live 95. That was, th- as I've said before, that was a thing back in the day, renting games, even if you, you may not have owned them until later, but I certainly rented it a bunch. NBA Live 96 PC is the first uh, live game I bought with my money and on PC. And uh, it also led to me discovering the NLSC back in the day because I went on to uh, Alta Vista, not Google, as I've said before, Alta Vista, and looking up NBA Live 96 uh, content and found the NLSC and found the found mods and uh, and everything, or patches as we used to call them back in the day. And uh, of course, that led to me taking over the site a few years after that, and which I've been running for 20 years and counting. So Live 96 really brought me to this community. And look at the NLSC now. I, it is still going strong all of these years later. You know, at a 25 plus years later, and the NLSC is 
and you know, obviously you're the webmaster now and whatnot, but it is still going so strong and there's still a big community that supports it and, you know, mods through it and whatnot. And you must be proud of that. Um, as far as NBA Live 96 goes, as you know, I we had the um, the Sega Genesis version in my house and I didn't end up playing the PC version until many years later. Um, my introduction to NBA Live on the PC was actually NBA Live 98. And it's also the first game that I modded, which we'll get into in a moment. Um, the next thing that I'm thankful for is NCAA basketball for Super NES. Uh, you and I connected on, uh, what was it, Super Dunk Shot. The Japanese version, Which yes. is yep. the Japanese version, um, which is basically the exact same gameplay-wise, but it has like um, Jordan <laughs> and Bard a, and whatnot. It's and a bootleg it, NBA it's, game. <laughs> yeah, it's a bootleg NBA game. But for me, it was NCAA basketball. And this was my introduction to college basketball video games, and which led me to end up playing like Dick, Vi- Dick Vitale's Awesome Baby College Basketball, NCAA Final Four games, you know, Paul Pierce on the cover, like NCAA Final Four 99, uh, the March Madness games. So this was, but this was my introduction to it. I'm very thankful for college basketball games, and I've spent a ton of time on those. But one thing, one mechanic that I'm super thankful for, there's actually two that are in this game that I'm really thankful for that I think um, is something that is still in modern games that people really appreciate. One, your ability to choose the type of dunk that you complete. And this was kind of unheard of at the time. Shock, and shock control, <laughs> Yeah, you were able to have, you could choose whether to do like a one-handed dunk, a two-handed dunk, a 360 dunk, or a back slam by doing like a various, you know, combination with the buttons or whatnot, or um, I'd have to go back and play it to remember exactly uh, how to do each one. Yeah, it's the D-pad in a certain direction plus the shoot button. Right, it's a D-pad while you shoot, yeah, use the shoot button in a certain direction. And at the top, you know, being able to customize what type of dunk you do when you attack the rim, are you kidding me? In the early 90s, that's amazing. So that was one. The other one was ratings. So this game had like ratings like built into it. And I don't know if it was like ratings or shooting percentages or how they worked that out. But when you went in and you looked at the rosters, like for example, I brought this up before, Boston College had a center named Hinsey. And they would show like three-point field goal etc when you go into his player card and i think his three points said 50 i don't know if that was a rating or if that was a percentage or whatnot but when you, it really reflected how yeah. he played yeah. on the court and he would fire away from everywhere beyond the beyond the three-point line and just knock down threes over and over and over again um so ncaa basketball because of those two reasons i think are really special in the basketball gaming space and it was also my introduction to college basketball video games so we connected on super dunk shot as you said the the japanese port of that the the version that i grew up with which i actually got for my 12th birthday uh a friend got it for me uh I don't know if you got it secondhand or just cheap at the time because it was a few years old at that point. Uh, got uh, the uh, PAL version, which is World League Basketball, which replaces all the college teams with fictional teams from around the world in a fictional global basketball league. And it's still got the same gameplay. It pretty much just, uh, it's got a lot of the same names. I think it just changes them from, again, college teams to uh, cities from around the world. And of course, I played with the Chicago Breeze, uh, my, my team and ultimate team in 
in live in 2K. Uh, I call him the Chicago Breeze in uh, tribute to that. And there was a there was a guard on there, Clayton, and I always remembered him as Adam Clayton, which is funny because there's no first names on the rosters. But then I, I, many years later, I went back and looked at the credits of that game, and there was an Adam Clayton in the credits. So I'm guessing they've just pulled the developer's name, a programmer's name, and used it as the uh, as that player. But uh, Clayton was a virtual hardware legend for me, the same way Hinsey was for you. Yeah, Hinsey was my brother Mark, my oldest brother's virtual hardwood legend. Um, mine was Larson, who was a guard on Georgetown. I always used Georgetown. Why? Because I loved Allen Iverson. Mm. They used Georgetown all the time because of Allen Iverson. Um, but Larson could hit threes and he could shoot very well and he could attack the basket. And then Naylor was my center. He could sometimes hit a three here and there, but he was really good inside. Um, and then there was Stevens and Cox and there was um, – there was tap on the bench who was incredibly effective. Like I remember my roster and that's how, you know, a game was special and it connected with you is if you can remember these fake players yes, and you can create video game legends from them, um, you know, that the game, you know, was a positive influence on you and that it was good. Um, the next thing I'm thankful for, and then I'll throw it back to you is NBA jam actually. And the reason is, is because that was my true introduction to the you know arcade basketball space because you know jordan versus bird is not arcade it was like a simulation dunk contest three-point contest in one-on-one right um back in the day i never really played arch rivals i ended up playing that later on um nba jam was my true introduction to arcade hoops and it taught us to look at basketball video games in almost a fun silly you know way and i think that that was really healthy for us at the time because you know we were trying to play sim with games like nba showdown or you know bulls versus blazers and tecmo and super nba basketball and then you know you get out and you play nba jam and it's like anything goes right Definitely. and you can just try to win by as much as you possibly can it still had stats at the end of the game but it didn't track them throughout the season or anything like that or throughout the challenges but it was the game that taught us kind of like how to have loose, clean fun, still be competitive and whatnot. But it was really the introduction to that type of style of basketball game. And of course, from a pop culture standpoint, it really captured the the essence of basketball, the excitement. I mean, Tim Kitzer, obviously, the legendary Tim Kitzer, when he's on fire and boom shakalaka and everything. I mean, that was, that was basketball culture in the 90s. Yeah, I mean basketball in the 90s just like and i talked about what made nba in the zone so good that series like it's that in your face style right basketball in the 90s was in your face it was big dunks it was high flying action it was bruising basketball it was physical so like when you hit you have nba jam and you can push somebody down that didn't seem too bad back then right because basketball in real life, even at that point, you know, the Heat, the Knicks, even the Pacers got physical back then and whatnot. There were so many teams in the 90s that just played a physical brand of basketball. So, like, 90s hoop was about in-your-face type action. And just kind of like, you know, I've, I talked about it before, WWF in the 90s, like wrestling in the 90s was that in-your-face style. That's and true, so, yeah. was ba- so was basketball, right? So was the NBA. Have you ever played NBA Jam, a natural arcade machine of NBA Jam? Because I must admit, I have not. I've only played high I have boards. not. Yeah. No, nope, I, I never yeah. play. I never played the arcade version. Yeah, I, I never came across a machine in the uh, in an arcade. Unfortunately, I'd uh, if I if I ever do, because there are some old machines still floating around in various uh, 
pubs and uh, retro bars and everything in, in Australia. Hopefully I'll get a chance someday and I'll definitely uh, might see if I can get some footage at the same time. It'd be, off, it'd be off my phone, but still might be fun to do. But uh, speaking of jam, I mean, that, that, as I said, that was my introduction to uh, arcade basketball gaming as well, uh, specifically tournament edition, which is why I tend to prefer the, uh, the follow-up TE to the, uh, the original. But I also, I'm also thankful for NBA Hangtime because that was Midway's continuation of the series after the jam name went to Acclaim, of course. And Hangtime is kind of overlooked, I think. Uh, it's a very strong release. Uh, one of the best, well, one of the few Nintendo 64 games that holds up really, really well all these years later, actually. It introduced, well, it introduced also something that Jam didn't have. There's two features that it introduced that I think are really strong. One, dribble moves. You were able to do dribble moves yes. in that game, like a spin move. And two, alley-oops. Um, you were able to connect on alley-oops. And I think those were two big features of Hangtime that I really enjoy when I go back and visit that game. Definitely, yeah. No, it definitely advanced the gameplay as well. It wasn't just a... Uh, a small update whereas i mean tournament edition is a great game but it was uh, an enhanced version of the original although it actually removes the uh, shattering of the backboard which and, and that didn't come back two years later of course but hang time still holds up really well uh, again it's, it's that game that i was playing in my uh, teens and early high school and uh, a lot of my friends who weren't into, really into basketball still enjoyed playing hang time and I, I think that's the the strength of jam all these years later and its various sequels is that it's it appeals to more casual basketball fans and uh, people who aren't really into basketball, but they just love that jam style. And, and yet, hardcore basketball fans can enjoy it as well. So that, that kind of crosses uh, borders in that respect. And a reminder that NBA Hangtime's gameplay still holds up very well today. And I've connected with many people in the community, including you, on that game. And it's still just such a blast, just like NBA Jam on Fire Edition, when you go back and play that. Very similar qualities in those two games as far as you know gameplay goes. Uh, the next thing I'm really thankful for, and I know you are, um, and I know you already mentioned one of these titles, is you know basically NBA Live 95. And we had it for Sega, but it's the game that picked up the pace you know, for sim basketball. It was no longer the slog of Bulls versus Blazers, right? That's right. Or NBA yeah. Showdown. Um, not that those games were bad. Not that I didn't enjoy them because I spent tons of time on them. But they were a lot of times very slow. Um, but NBA Live 95 and NBA Live 96 and whatnot, it, it picked up the pace of sim basketball, made you feel like more like you were playing real NBA action at a real NBA pace. And it introduced, you know, you're throwing lobs, uh, you know, the really fast paced, fun game. So um, it also introduced the isometric camera view and whatnot, which was also in, I just want to make a point that it was also in like NBA action 94, but Again, NBA Live was the most popular basketball video game, NBA Live 95 and NBA Live 96 at the time. And, and you're right, Live 95 holds up so much better, not to dump on those older games, but if you are getting into retro gaming, Live 95 onwards is a bit easier to get into because, as you say, that pace uh, was a game changer because it did replicate the up and down style of the NBA and, and basketball in general, whereas those older games... If they were a bit slower paced. Uh, you, you got stuck to each other a little bit, little bit too easy. Uh, there were too many offensive fouls just by running, just by brushing into a defender and, and things like that. that they, the, the pace, the, the player interactions, that, that was such a huge jump in the space of one year. Oh my God, yeah. And it's really a, the thing that changed the, skate, the landscape of basketball video games in general because instead of NBA Showdown 95, right, with that side view, and whatnot 
they changed the name and it made it NBA Live 95, changed the gameplay entirely um, and really, you know, changed basketball, video gaming forever. So absolutely. Uh, you know, the other thing I'm thankful for is NBA Live 98. And that's because it was my introduction to PC modding and PC basketball gaming. And I remember making portraits. Um, I believe I made a court at one point for that game. And that's also when I discovered the NLSC back in the day and whatnot. And I used DB Commander and all of that stuff. And I know you're super familiar with that. Oh, yes. But I'm very <laughs> um, appreciative of NBA Live 98, not only because of its depth and the gameplay being just so fun, um, and the graphics taking such like a big step in the right direction, but really it's the game that got me into PC modding, which is something that I've really enjoyed doing over the last eight years. Oh, for sure. And, and I, uh, I, I love that we re- have revisited that a couple of times with those, with those old rosters by loots, being able to dust those off years later. Uh, I'm still very thankful actually that we were able to pull off that, uh, that Bill Walton play with Larry Bird. Yeah. Just so people know, uh, Andrew and I are you know, love the real game. And I feel like we're students to the um, students of the game. So whenever we do connect and we're using like classic teams and whatnot, what we're uh, sometimes what we're trying to do is recreate scenarios that happened in real life and use players to their real life strengths. Just like when we were using the 1983 76ers, the 82, 83 Sixers on NBA live 99, we were trying to use Moses and Irving and whatnot, like them, like their true selves. And I was coming off screens. If you remember, I had that big stretch with Andrew Tony, where I was just hitting a bunch of mid range shots with him. Mm. That was very Andrew Tony esque and whatnot. So yeah, being able to complete that bird to Walton play back to back to bird, um, where I post you up and you're using Walton and I cut baseline and you, you find me and then I finish it at the hoop. Um, yeah, that, that was awesome. Um, but what else are you thankful for? Well, it's come time to mention NBA Live 2000, right? So, I mean, such, such a landmark release in the NBA Live series, the, the, crown, the crowning achievement of the original development team for NBA Live, I would say, uh, the legends, franchise mode. I mean, that, that's what uh, developed my love of franchise play. That was something we wanted to see in the game years right the the ability to play multiple seasons now live 99 pc did include that and it did have player development but there were no new rookies coming in so it was it was a kind of a limited multi-season mode but then they just went all out the next year in live 2000 pc bringing that in you had the legends you had michael jordan in the game finally after he'd retired we thought for good but no came back a, a year later after that but nevertheless he was in the game along with all these other legends officially that Gave us such a head start on mods, obviously, but even if even just as with the vanilla game, being able to play with those teams was so fantastic. And franchise mode, playing through that, and uh, and Clint and I would be simulating seasons years into the future. And it's it's funny that we're almost at the end of that original franchise mode. Like the that's twenty five years of franchise mode. We're almost at the end of that now. It's kind of uh, mind blowing to think that. Andrew must be looking at my list again because NBA Live two thousand was next for me too. Um. Yeah, I mean, before I even get into NBA Live 2000, there's one thing that I forgot to mention. Uh, NBA Live 96, I am super thankful for this game. And one of the biggest reasons is, is it's the first season that I ever had with my brother Nick where we used Legends. Because remember, you could unlock Legends in the Create a Player. And I remember that us putting them on the same team, and we jumped into a season. And it was our first time ever putting a Legends season together 
and playing co-op. That's where it all began. So that's where it all began. So that's way back with NBA Live 96. So super thankful for that because guess what? We're still doing those Legends co-op seasons today. We had two games we played last night on NBA 2K23 for the Series X with a lot of the same players that were in NBA Live 96. So all of these years later, we're still doing it. Um, NBA Live 2000, we're super thankful for that because not only did we play it on PC, which was just the best experience, but it was the start of our fantasy draft seasons against each other, me and my brothers. And you know we're still into that today. We still are doing that multiple times per week. It's funny how long these habits last, right? These habits and hobbies. Um, but NBA Live 2000, we would all control a team and we would do a fantasy draft. And I remember my brother Mark always trying to stack his team with tall players. So we'd have like George Marison at center and Sean Bradley at power forward <laughs> and stuff like that. I always remember trying to get Jason Williams to be my starting point guard in the draft and whatnot. And we would sit around because you remember what computer gaming was like back then. It was like a CRT monitor that was like probably what a 15 inch screen something like that and we would all have stools and we would sit in front of this computer hunched around yeah (laughs) hunched around right with our game pads and we would do a draft and then we would play against each other and whatnot and those are some really fond memories and like i said fantasy drafts are still going on in my house today you know i've never been big into the fantasy drafts uh but I, i i love that it's in the game that's because I can see how much fun you've had with it over the years. And I've always preferred to start with the real rosters and then let them evolve into something crazy. But no, it's uh, I, I love hearing about what you do with the legends and the uh, and the fantasy drafts and everything because it's it just shows you how many how many different ways there are to play basketball video games and none of them are wrong. Yeah, that's the thing. Is all that matters is that you're having fun and that the people you're playing with, if you are playing with anybody that they're having fun as well. Exactly. And so many positive memories can be created, which brings me to the next um, couple games. And this is a different type of way of playing because I didn't play NBA Street Volume 2 or NBA Ballers with my brothers, really. Um, That was mostly me versus the computer. And that was NBA Street Volume 2 and NBA Ballers were my introduction to street-style games. So street ball and whatnot and you know back in the day how big was and one at the time i was huge for huge. a huge yeah and one was just everything it was just always on tv and it was the professor and spider and escalade and all of these guys and um the you you wanted to be like these guys right and when you went to the park you tried to dribble like these guys and play like them well nba ballers and nba street and, and nba street volume two um you know brought that to the virtual hardwood that gameplay style um and i'm really thankful for that because i think street games are incredibly fun um and one basketball that game was incredibly fun for playstation 2 um the other streets were fantastic and then nba playgrounds a street style nba game and whatnot my brother and i beat both nba playgrounds and nba playgrounds too um so yeah um my introduction to street basketball games was excellent and what i what i really appreciate about the nba street series is that it's obviously taking some cues from nba jam because nba jam was the the template for excellence in arcade basketball games but it's it was still doing its own thing it found its own voice uh it was true to that street spirit it had its own uh, power up with a game breaker that worked just like on fire worked in uh nba jam 
So it found its own voice, but it still followed some of those rules that made Jam such a great arcade game that it was that you could play defense as effectively as scoring, that it was balanced, that it was a fun above all that they, it they, was they, so balanced nba street volume 2 is so balanced I, yeah. I love that you actually brought that up it's because you can swap shots off the glass right you can catch shots in the air and whatnot the stealing mechanics are fun like the two-way play of nba street volume 2 is almost unmatched in the arcade slash street basketball yeah space it is so fun to play defense they, they got they got it, they got so much right across the board. They they took a template that worked, but then put their own spin on it and added some new things that Jam wasn't doing. And at, at the time, of course, Jam had fallen by the wayside under um, a claims uh, banner. So uh, Street was definitely the uh, the the top arcade game at that time in the early two thousands. To that point, where I, I see some people, some people who are younger than us, say, "What's so special about Jam? It's all about Street." Because when when they were growing up with basketball gaming and the age we were when we were getting into jam back in the day they were getting into street instead and, and jam was kind of this uh, g- game that was not not at its uh, not at its peak anymore yeah and and i think that um the mindset going into playing games like that is similar though right like when you play the original nba jam and then you go into nba street because you're not expecting realism in each game yeah like yeah. or each like basically what you're going into is loose clean fun and then sometimes it can be super competitive as well but you're not expecting realism so i think it's a very similar mindset though going into both of those games but what else are you thankful for well i, I am going to briefly uh, look at your exam paper again and mention uh, live 2003 with its right stick revolution obviously and i know you're very thankful for that as well and you'll be getting to that shortly i'm sure but really just to put a cap on that era of basketball gaming for me the golden age of NBA Live in general, uh, just, again, so many great memories with my, with my cousin Clinton, uh, more so the early titles. By the early to mid-2000s, we were both out of school. He was doing his uh, chef's apprenticeship, so that's uh, long hours in uh, hospitality, so it was harder for us to, uh, to get together and make time to uh, visit each other to play as uh, young adults and then into our 20s and, and older. Uh, but so many great memories from the earlier days of the, the uh, golden age of Live, getting into the later stages, playing Dynasty in 2004 through 06. Uh, very thankful for that so that, that golden age of nba live i think uh just delivered so many great memories from playing with my cousin uh playing solo in dynasty and just building up the rebuilding the bulls into uh championship contenders once again so yeah that's uh if you got into basketball gaming later than we did you may not realize that live there was a time when live was rightfully considered the uh, premier brand of sim basketball and uh, the golden age of nba live bears that out just a reminder that in the uh, late 90s and early mid 2000s, it was NBA Live that was in everybody's living rooms. Yeah. As far as like commercials and whatnot and advertisements in general. And the conversation was normally around NBA Live. Um, well, you remember and, the yeah. remember the Adam Morrison commercials for Live 07? He's talking about growing up playing NBA Live and being excited to be a face of NBA Live. Whereas these days, it'd be younger players would be talking about being the face of 2K. Right, because nobody's talking about NBA Live 14. Like, these players aren't being like, yeah, I grew up with NBA Live 14, and it was amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, um, because not. it really wasn't. No. But um, yeah, I did share my paper with um, with Andrew, so he he did bring up NBA Live 2003, right stick dribbling. I, I want, I'm very thankful for that mechanic. Um, and it's not just the dribbling, as you know. You know, people like to say right stick dribbling, but it's right stick, right stick triple threat right it's the ability to do jab steps with the right stick it's the ability to do like 
hold your body away from the defender and then spin that's a good um, point yeah. whichever way yeah. you please it's it's being able to do everything else with the right stick outside of dribbling and whatnot and i think that it changed the game i think it changed the face a basketball game and obviously nba 2k caught on to that only it took them 10 years with you know with their first implementation of it with nba 2k 13 which is a fantastic title and still holds up so well today which we recently talked about and recently revisited and whatnot but yeah it's the right stick dribbling right stick triple threat that i'm super thankful for that nba live 2003 brought to the forefront and you are right uh, we, i often say it myself i talk about right stick dribbling but it is the whole right stick control and of course 2k had the right stick shooting as well for years and when they combined that as the pro stick and uh, well, it's pro, called the pro stick these days that that they really landed on the right way i think to have deep controls in a sim basketball game and it, it speaks volumes that live that pioneered that right stick dribbling and right stick control with live 2003 and introduced it into the mainstream that it's that years later for live 18 and 19 they were taking their control cues from 2k and trying to be a bit more like 2k's combined dribbling and uh, short right stick. exactly because nba live changed their alley-oop mechanics to double tapping y just like nba 2k yeah right and then they changed their fancy pass um, to double tapping circle um or depending on depending on which controller you're using in order to do like a fancy pass and then they adopted posting up with the bumper right the trigger and all of that stuff like the nba live um absolutely started copying some of the stuff that nba 2k was doing and rightfully so because the controller mapping on nba 2k yeah and the controller mapping on nba 2k is excellent it's very familiar and whatnot. So that was a smart move. And people say, oh, um, they're, oh they're, they're stealing ideas, but these are good ideas that a sim game should have. They should absolutely borrow from each other. I mean, there, if live comes back, as we've said before, we hope it does, uh, I would definitely like it to, to uh, borrow some of the best ideas from 2K. Do it, put its own The point on. is, yeah. make a great game. Yeah. And make a great game. That's 2K's done some things that make it a great game. Uh, Take some take some notes from that. Absolutely, it's stealing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Borrow, I say, yeah, borrow. including things like what they're doing with like my NBA and like the customization, absolutely, and all of that stuff, and the player DNA and all of that. Yeah, like steal that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, next thing I'm super thankful for is the NBA lives from NBA Live 2003 to Live 2006, and NBA 2Ks from NBA 2K11 to NBA 2K14. Why specifically those years? Well. Those are the years where the most video game legends were created with my brothers and I. You know, you go back to the early 2000s lives and it was, you know, Keith Van Horn and Walter McCarty and whatnot and Pat Garrity and those guys. And then, you know, you get to NBA 2K11 to 2K14 and the video game legends end up being like Alonzo G and Kirk Heinrich and and whatnot and there were so many in Hashim Thabit and there's Greg Monroe Larry Sanders like Ray Allen like there are so many video game legends and so many memories from the games that I just mentioned um we, we still talk about them all the time we text pictures of those players to each other to remind each other of of things that happened um it's still just the, the, those titles were such a big thing in my house and around about that time, I was also getting into the 2K series. I mean, 2K11 for me really piqued my interest because of MJ on the cover, obviously. And although it was a bit of a false start, uh, 
it, it, it was another landmark release, obviously, for uh, basketball gaming in general, and I've come to appreciate it much more over the years after I've been able to really get into that 2K style and, and break some habits that I had with uh, NBA Live and realize, oh, if, if you can change these control settings, it's more like what I'm used to and, and everything, and really just giving it a proper chance. But to that point, 2K13 is the, the game that added rights to dribbling and further rights to controls, as you said. Uh, I, th- I think that was, as we said in the, the uh, other week's show, that that final barrier coming down as far as if you were a long-time NBA Live gamer to get into 2K, that was the, the last wall came down. And, of course, it added my well, it uh, rebranded my player into my career that year. Uh, that's the mode I got into. A lot of great memories with 2K13. And that's I, I remember it as that game that I... The first 2K game that I really enjoyed at launch because it, it just spoke to me with the and was accessible to me with the right stick dribbling and, and my career was such a new experience for me. And uh, yeah, that's that's a game I'm very thankful for because that, that is the game that truly, at long last, after a couple of false starts, got me into the 2K series. Right, and you're on season five of your NBA 2K14 um, PS4, my career, and what does that have? right stick dribbling oh yeah and it executes it so well and so many of your highlights that you've submitted to the top 10 or just shared with me is you pulling off just awesome dribbling moves either a crossover or behind the back or using it for triple threat and whatnot and it works so well in nba 2k13 and 2k14 which is super surprising because they had just implemented it but they did such a good job from the start The next thing that I'm super thankful for, and then I can throw it back to you, is NBA 2K14 PC because it's really what got me into loving modding. I modded NBA Live 98, but not that much. Took a huge break from modding all the way up to NBA 2K14, and I absolutely fell in love with it, mainly because of the UBR and then the URB um, and then all the great you know, the college mods and all the mods that were being created for NBA 2K14, and then how accessible modding was, even for a beginner with programs like Red MC and whatnot, which was created by Vlad and whatnot. And then, like, all of the tools that the community was creating and the tutorials and all that stuff. I fell in love with PC modding and I spent tons of time making rosters and mods for nba 2k14 and those mods are still on my pc and it was just a huge deal and now i've been modding for you know seven eight years because of nba 2k14 and then lastly nba 2k14 for the xbox one and ps4 it's really the next gen title that wowed us the most isn't it you know the transition from ps3 to ps4 NBA 2K was so massive in the graphics department. Um, you know, I know that Dibes 2K is a huge fan. He's a member of the NLSC community and modder. He's a huge fan of the graphics in 2K14, as are so many. And they're still some of the best in video game history today. And it was such a big jump, and it made me realize the possibilities of how good these basketball video games can look. I, th- I think it's another one of those really impressive one of the most impressive next gen jumps quite easily that the ps4 xbox xbox one version of uh of 2k14 and i'm obviously very thankful for that uh as you noted i'm on year five of my my career it continues to be part of my rotation continues to be a blast uh so i'm thankful for that but i'm also thankful that it retroactively taught me the importance of giving games a second look because for a long time i overlooked that game uh, I, it, I didn't feel it at launch i did have that sourness because of the uh, some of the pot shots that the 2K developers were taking at live at the time, which not not inaccurate, but at the same time felt very 
you know, bullying to me and not very cool. So I was a bit soured on the brand at the time. Uh, I I was still very much uh, in love with 2K13, if you will. Uh, I, I, as much as, as impressed as I was with the previews of 2K14, I perhaps wasn't quite ready to move on from 2K13 because I was enjoying that so much. And that's a weird phenomenon. I think we should talk about that at some point, not feeling ready to move on to the, <laughs> the next game yet. But 2K14, I went back and gave that a second look and, and just fell in love with it, as you know, and as I've talked about on the podcast before. So I'm, I'm thankful that it taught me that it, the importance of uh, giving the games a second look with fresher eyes and uh, that you can give these games a second chance and you'll find a new favorite retroactively. Yeah. I also want to point out NBA 2K11 really quick before we move on. I'm very thankful for that game because it brought Jordan back yes. and it brought Jordan back in style. And it also um, brought a new level of realism to basketball gaming over NBA 2K10, which I still love, but NBA 2K11 was a more realistic simulation Definitely. of the NBA. And it also, NBA 2K11 also brought us the classic teams and whatnot. My, so like a lot to be thankful for 2K11 wise. My, my controversial comment for this episode, and I know we're doing positivity, maybe not controversy this week, but uh, NBA Live 10, I think has more fun gameplay than 2K10, even though 2K10 looks a lot better and has better animations. Um, I can agree with that. It depends on what mood I'm in. I guess that's that. It's like because NBA Live 10 has obviously the amazing right stick dribbling um, and right stick triple threat. Uh, and it also actually has a better post game at times as well than um, NBA 2K10. I think that NBA 2K10 probably looks better and more sim. Agreed. At times. But when you actually go by like the on court feel, I can see why NBA Live 10 would, you know, I would have more fun with it. Alley-oops aside. aside. Other than alley-oops, because the alley-oops are better in NBA 2K10. Yes. But, yeah. I mean, but alley-oops are better in games, in most games, than NBA Live 10. (laughs) But, so, the next thing that I'm super thankful for is NBA 2K16 and NBA 2K17. Um, I've poured endless hours into both. We are still playing NBA 2K17 multiple times per week, me and my brothers, and whatnot. And there's still regular highlights in the top 10 plays of the week from both 2K16 and 2K17. But I'm really thankful for that old motion system. Very thankful for the fun that those two games bring um, and the level of realism both of those games bring. The great shooting mechanics, the super tight, fun, right stick dribbling, uh, you know, the amazing post game, the awesome shot blocking mechanics, the rebounding mechanics, just the on-court action is awesome. They've given us endless fun. And the fact that in NBA 2K16, they added a bunch of classic teams. They expanded on my league, and they gave you the ability to create custom courts, custom jerseys, uh, you know, customize the sound effects, you know, customize the Dornas, all of that stuff, and, you know, relocate teams and all of that. I am very thankful for the customization that was added starting in NBA 2K16 moving forward um super thankful for the depth of my league and my nba and um yeah we're still enjoying those features today two fantastic releases that hold up so well and, and people as we said before say oh it's just nostalgia no go, go go back and play those games and you'll see why we we still uh, sing their praises because they are such strong releases and uh no they're definitely fun to this day uh, 2K17 is a special release for me, playing that over a, a full career on 12-minute quarters, a full season in my career, I should say, on 12-minute uh, quarters, and uh, just having a blast with the 
as some people don't like the orange juice story i thought it was a very interesting spin on uh having those dual play mechanics and having that uh becoming that next duo and uh, it was actually a pretty well written and acted story uh compared to other stories that they've had in, in my career that's actually one of the best um uh, michael b jordan did a great job as justice young uh well, well written as i said and the but most of all the on-court mechanics were a lot of fun but of course a lot of the fun i had that year was with uh, nlc thrillho in uh, 2k pro-am and uh and I, I haven't really talked about this publicly and i, I won't go into the details but uh, I was having kind of a rough time around about uh, 2016, 2017, uh, personally, and uh, being able to get on there every week with the guys and form even better friendships with them and have some fun and, and forget those uh, those rough times with some uh, some great times in the virtual hardwood is uh, very special. So, you know, shout out to, to Ben, to Kenny, to uh, to Leo, to uh, Andrew, the ex, and uh, ZZ Cool J for, uh, for joining me on those, for those sessions, and I, I really do appreciate that. So in other words, basketball video games didn't depress you and you weren't depressed because of them. They uh, actually yeah. helped you. They brain. lifted my spirits, yes. Getting on there and, they uh, lifted and, your spirits. and you know, uh, having, having fun and chatting with the guys. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. How about that? How about that? Who'd yeah, same, same with me. You know, Who'd have thought having fun? Through tough yeah, times. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. Through, through, uh, through tough times and everything, uh, basketball gaming has definitely been a great outlet for me. Um, so before I put a bow on this, you like that, Andrew? Before I put a bow on this topic. Very nice. Um, very festive of me. Absolutely. Uh, what else are you thankful for? Uh, you know, as I said, just just basketball gaming and, and modding in general, and the, and the community that it's introduced me to, and the fun it's had. Uh, as, uh, going back to there, two K seventeen, lifting my spirits when I needed, uh, you know, to forget my troubles for a while, and and again, being a creative outlet for so many years. Look, I would not still be running the NLSC and doing this podcast with you and getting into more YouTube content and writing the articles and looking at exploring what I can do with mods and love to do some more of that in 2023 and have some ideas lined up and everything. Um, I, I wouldn't be still thinking about doing that 21 years later in my 30s if it wasn't such a great and satisfying creative outlet and, and also just very fun to do. That, and we're having so much fun today with it, aren't we? Absolutely. I mean, we have so much YouTube content is going up. We have a lot of great um, interactions uh, on Twitter and on YouTube itself. And, um, you know, we get to do this podcast. And I hope people really enjoyed the, t- the Christmas Top Ten. Oh, I'm sure. That, um, yeah. I mean, we're recording this and it hasn't been released yet. Um, but by the time you listen to this recording, it will have been out. And I was super pumped about releasing this and i hope you really enjoyed it um the last couple things that i'm thankful for um is and these are just kind of like one-offs great rebounding mechanics Uh, i always thought that the rebounding mechanics in nba 2k was strong um it's something that um they've stayed strong with over the years sure every now and then offensive rebounding can be a little bit overpowered depending on the game you're playing or if you haven't messed with any of the settings but i'm very thankful for really strong rebound mechanics in the 2k series i'm also very thankful for the um, classic and all-time team content in general just because those are things that we can mess around with right we can move those players um, we can edit those players we can create rosters from those players and whatnot and they've added the ability to um you know swap you know player export and import players dna and that's another thing i'm thankful for because i think it helps roster makers a whole lot um, in order to, you know, expedite these projects and get these projects out for the community Definitely. to enjoy. Um, but yeah, I think those are pretty long lists from both of us. Um, but as I stated before this segment, 
I am super thankful for the community. I'm thankful for you um, and our friendship and whatnot. And then also my, you know, being able to game with my two brothers and hopefully everybody stays happy and healthy. No, absolutely. I'm grateful that you and thankful that you, you joined the NLC team and uh, join, join me as, every week as my co-host on the on the show and that we have been able to form this friendship, as we've said before, spanning the globe and connecting on these games and, and sharing that love of, of basketball and basketball gaming has, has been fantastic. Uh, I'm thankful for basketball. I'm thankful for basketball gaming and, and your friendship and the community and the support of that and support of the community of all of our content. And you know what? Since it, it was the uh, 131st birthday of basketball the other day, I'm thankful that uh, Dr. James Naismith gave us this beautiful sport. Oh my God. What would I have done without basketball all my life? I've been obsessed with it since I was like four or five years old. Right. Um, I, I wonder what my outlet would have been because my whole life it's been basketball. Football? One of the various forms of football? Uh, probably not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know what I would have been into, but I, I just know that I love the game. Um, but Andrew, do you know uh, if you're getting anything for Christmas related to basketball video games yet? Uh, not this year, no. I, I got that for my birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you also got some money, too, which you've been using to buy basketball video games. This is true, and whatnot, yes. And upgrade, and upgrade your uh, recording setup with Elgato and whatnot. So, yeah, you've done well this year. Well, hey, s- since you've broached the topic of basketball games and basketball games for Christmas, Derek, how about we open up the mailbag? To the mailman. So I asked our community uh, what their favorite holiday gift was related to basketball video gaming. So um, we did receive three responses on Discord and I believe three on Twitter as well. So the community was engaged and they gave us some answers. And of course, you threw out uh, NBA Fast Break 98 as a, a Christmas memory of yours. That's number one for me. Uh, we were blown away. Uh, so. Christmas that year, we got PlayStation 1 and NBA Fast Break 98. I want to say that was the only game we got with it as well. And we were floored with the graphics, with the gameplay, with the presentation. It screamed NBA action for us. We, we thought it looked the most real life that you could ever make an NBA game look. Obviously, we know, not, know now that that's not the case. But back then, you know, when the players were running out of the tunnel onto the floor, which is a cool feature that NBA Fast Break 98 had when they were introducing the starting lineups, when like Ron Mercer ran out there, you're like, damn, that looks just like Ron Mercer. Yeah. That, I want to use Ron Mercer now. And whatnot. And we just spent so much time with that game. I remember us playing it that day through all hours of the morning. I want to say we played it until it got light out. Um, And of course, that once again is the first 2K for a lot of people. For us, it was like the first 2K because that was made by visual concepts. So, um, yeah, we were floored by it. And I just I just remember us being so excited about the realism of that game. I mean, it holds up. It's a it's a pretty good game for its time. It's up there with Live 98. It is. It is. It's absolutely up there with Live 98. And I can go back and forth and play both of those games and still have fun even today. Um, so what about you? I've been trying to, to think since you put the prompt out because I th- a lot of the games I got for my birthday in October throughout the years or I bought with my own money. So I, I was trying to remember what I got uh, basketball gaming-wise as, uh, as a uh, Christmas gift. And I'm not sure that anything in my collection was, but I do remember in, uh, I think it was 2000, 
or might have been actually 1999 probably i got um an action replay for nintendo 64 which is the pal version of the uh the game shark uh actually the game shark is the ntc version of the uh action replay it's it's it comes from the uk first but anyway so that was, that gave me the cheating device to finally start messing around with games on the uh, N64. And I remember Clint and I going through and trying to make up our own codes for NBA Hangtime on N64 and, and finding a few different codes that you'd input that and you'd always get, if you'd input the right code, you'd always get uh, the desired hair color for Dennis Rodman and other various uh, enhancements always on fire and things like that. So uh, that was kind of some console modding that I did. So I, th- I think that's probably... The, the Christmas gift that I remember getting that's uh, kind of basketball gaming related. I don't think kids today will never, will ever understand the excitement of cheat codes. Yes. From back in Old the day, school, searching yeah. cheat code websites and putting in like your um, AOL search or something like that. You putting in the search tab like um, NBA Jam cheat codes or NBA Live 2000 cheat codes yep. or something like that. And then you find out that you can unlock legends that were in the game without having to go through the grind to get them. Whether you had to get them through like a mode or complete like a playoff or something like that. Like you could just get them using the cheat codes and it was so cool. And that would still be great today about Oh, for sure. Point that out, and if you actually think about it, locker codes are not cheat codes, but it's kind of scratching a similar itch. It's that, yeah. It's kind of a continuation of that. uh, What what about the the, what about the disco court you can unlock in Kobe Bryant in NBA courtside? There you go. So yeah, like well, I mean, how many? I was using cheat codes all the time back then. Of course, I'm not going to lie. I can't even remember all the ones that I used. The other one for me was NBA Jam Sega CD. Uh, It was a different soundtrack than the super nes version um and it was we got two games for sega cd we got sewer shark um which is which came with the console and then we got nba jam and uh, we we played that game for endless hours like i said I'll, I'll never forget how blown away we were by that game our dad would not allow us to play it for more than 45 minutes because he said that he that it, we could fry the tv <laughs> because the graphics were so powerful <laughs> that's a, that was a thing people Back like, there, the were, day, there were families yeah. out there that thought that you could burn out the tv by playing these games for too long anyway so we would play it for like 45 minutes to an hour and then be told to shut it off and then we would be like can we play it again can we play it again you know we want to be able to play it again and then we would be allowed to play it again for another 45 minutes or an hour but it was the soundtrack to that game it had that same nba jam fun gameplay and everything and we were playing it off of a cd which we thought was super cool because it was sega cd so that made it even more special so that was the other one uh and, and I, then I, I know you're thankful for sewer shark as well sewer shark is an amazing game and by the way i just beat that again this year <laughs> Um, I revisited it and my brother watched the whole time because it's fun to watch. And I beat that game, really fun gameplay, really cheesy, bad nineties acting, but it's a really good game. And my last Christmas memory was NBA 2k for the dreamcast. Um, it's the first time that I actually started making highlight reels. I would play the uh, original 2k. I thought the graphics were just unbelievably stupid realistic like just so good um and i would play a game and when when something happened i would go into the instant replay and i'd put it in like slow motion and then i would um record it off on like a vhs tape and whatnot and then i would do a compilation of highlights 
on that VHS tape. And it was actually, you know how I make YouTube videos today? That's kind of what I was doing back then with the original 2K, but with VHS. So, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. No, it's funny to look back at the origins, isn't it? And, and when you look at back at us being such big uh, card collectors back in the 90s, that feeds into the whole My Team concept today. Oh, yeah. 100%. I, I think that people don't understand how far back a lot of this stuff goes. And, you know, the origins of what started a lot of the things that are in the video games today. Like I mentioned earlier, Tecmo Super NBA Basketball, portraits and stat tracking, right? Look what that is today. It's still being utilized today. It's just been enhanced. But moving on to the community's responses now, uh, Vin, on the subject of NBA Fastbreak 98, also known as NBA Action 98 on uh, PC and I believe the uh, the Saturn release, uh, remembers asking for the game because a quarter of Jordan's body was on the cover and thought he was going to be in the game. And yes, if you do look very cl- uh, closely at the cover, you can see the uh, a little bit of uh, MJ on the cover. Yeah, we talked about this on a couple episodes of the NLC podcast where he's hidden behind Adam Keith. But you can tell it's Jordan because you can see a little bit of his head and his arm and whatnot. Very creative shot to use for the cover, right? Very creative photograph because it's a great action shot and it's a rare one where Jordan isn't actually shown. Like you can't see his face Um, because he was playing a lot of minutes at that time. It must have been a pain to try to find a good action shot without <laughs> yeah. mj of the 97 finals where he's playing like 41 minutes a game thanks yeah exactly to, thanks no, to, I, I think it's a great cover i think it's a great cover th- thanks to adam Keith for uh the assist on that one to uh to visual concepts uh t johnson says nba jam tournament edition for playstation one on uh for christmas 1995 and i certainly love that game uh, i've recently picked up the ps1 version and, and it is interesting to play those different versions of the game Derek, because i did grow up with the pc version later got the super nintendo version as well and again recently picked up the ps1 version and they've all got something all got something a little bit different to them and they're all they're all fun in their own way they're, they're the great great uh three great versions of the same game but there's some interesting differences that uh no we'll have to talk about it sometime right i grew up with the super nintendo slash sega genesis version and then also like the sega cd version so nba jam was a big thing in our house um the biggest weakness of the playstation one version um while it did get an update in graphics and it looks excellent even today i think that game looks absolutely great like the faces and all of that stuff and just the overall um atmosphere however um the computer is terrible i feel like in the playstation one version of nba jam and i think it took a step back as far as like being competitive from those other versions i mentioned and because i love my little trivia derek the fact that on the ps1 version the the top ratings are in red whereas on the pc version the top ratings are in green and the lower ratings of zero and one and two are in red so little little things like that you know i I hope other people find them as interesting as i do because those quirky little things really appeal to me yeah i love i love little stuff like that i mean i even love like like little things with the nba live 97 menu art because it's so like 90s and whatnot like the way they capitalize certain letters (laughs) yeah yeah the way they like capitalize like letters that shouldn't be capitalized yeah and whatnot or they or they'll make um like a full like team name or something lowercase when it shouldn't be no no like things like that like it's yeah it's the it's the little things very much of the decade for sure i love it for that reason next up we have one kidney kenny still with 33 of course uh says arch rivals and tecmo nba basketball Recently played Arch Rivals and can't believe how slow the game felt. Cutscenes after baskets, 
Part of the reason he loves the 92 season mods, which he's done a fantastic job of, of course, uh, is thanks to Tecmo. So I know you can definitely relate to that. And uh, yeah, Arch Rivals, it's a fun game. It, it obviously paved the way for NBA Jam, as is well documented. But yeah, that, that is quite a slow game. Yeah, those those cutscenes are the 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 deal breaker for me a lot of times with that game because I just I think it's ridiculous that it happens after every basket and it just destroys the flow of the game. It's a great game otherwise, like it's a fun arcade style basketball game, and that kind of was the 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 first NBA Jam in a way. That's kind of what led to NBA Jam because it was two two on two full court in our rivals, except you were just punching people um, instead of pushing them, but. Yeah, you know, he mentions Tecmo NBA Basketball. I think he's talking about the NES version. I played growing up, it was the Super NES version, Tecmo Super NBA Basketball. But the gameplay between those two games is basically identical. Um, you go back and play the NES version, and it feels just like the Super NES version. Um, so I have a lot of the same positive feelings about the Tecmo NBA Basketball scene as he does. And moving over to the Discord now, the NLC Discord, uh, Juicy Shackme, shout out to you, NBA 2K11 modder, of course. This was kind of stretching it, but around the holiday season of 2006, I just downloaded and installed the 0607 roster mod for Live 2004. Even with a low-specs PC, I was able to play on the virtual hardwood without feeling left out. And yeah, that, that's a, a big reason why people still continue to update those older games for at least a couple of years afterwards. There's always an audience for it, because some people don't have the interest in getting the new game, or they just either because they can't run it, or because they just love a, a specific release so much. But yeah, it's great that we've been able to continue to keep some of these older games uh, updated for years later. And uh, yeah, that's that's a nice holiday memory too. It's one of the reasons why um, games like NBA 2K14, 13, and 12 are still so heavily modded and still popular. Definitely. Because the a, ga- a, a computer, so if somebody doesn't have enough money or they don't want to, to upgrade their PC to a newer model and whatnot with a newer graphics card and newer processor and everything, they can use a computer that's 10 years old or more and run those games. And they can run them on medium or high a lot of the times, even on, on something that would be considered a poor gaming PC today. So, um, yeah, and those games are still great, right? He mentions Live 2004. You and I revisited it recently. My brother and I have a Legend season going on. That game is still super fun. Um 2K12, 2K13, 2K14, gameplay-wise and graphics-wise, are excellent. So, um, yeah, I think those are... We've talked about talked about it so many times about the reasons to go back and play some of these games and the reasons why you can still have fun with some of these games. Um, one of the things that's helpful is that pretty much any system, any PC can run them, one. And two, um, you know, there's no cost right like you you have your base cost to the game and then you can just have fun with it next up is murat also known as badger in the forum for a while there uh like 2004 his first game with the original cd bought around summer 2007 remembers having over a thousand screenshots unfortunately lost all of them when his uh, pc died uh yeah that's that's some uh, dedication to uh, virtual hardwood photography there derek i absolutely hate hearing the stories about people's PCs dying and them losing their screenshots or videos mm-hmm. and whatnot, or like rosters they worked on. I, I, I just feel so bad because you know, I've had huge roster projects before that I created like on NBA 2K16 and NBA 2K17. And the thought of losing that data or having the data corrupted or, you know, the memories too like through through videos and screenshots if i lost the all of that data i would be so upset and so sad um so yeah i hate hearing stories like that i feel bad 
And uh, finally, Emoli91 says, uh, My favorite, and maybe only, Boss with Video Game gift was a new PS1 with games. One of those was NBA Live 2001. During that Christmas, my dad and I played Lakers vs. Pacers 12-minute quarters. Thinking about it, it was strange since my dad didn't really play video games. Perhaps watching me being over the moon with a new console and playing a new sport that I began enjoying made him want to share that moment with me. And and that's a really nice memory. I mean, I, I think of times when my dad jumped on the sticks with me to play basketball or, or other games, uh, even if he wasn't the... Uh, my dad does play video games, as I've said before, even to this day, mostly uh, uh, strategy games, real-time uh, strategy games, uh, uh, Empire Earth and whatnot. Um but he would get on there and play basketball games with me as well. And I think that's a big part of being a parent, obviously, is uh, you know sharing in your kids' joy like that. And uh, thank you for sharing that with us. The fact that your dad is 60-plus years old and still playing video games just means that you and I are probably going to be that age and still playing I'd say as so, well. Yeah. Because, yeah, if, we're, if we love it this much now, um, we'll definitely be playing, you know, at that point. Uh, he, he brought up you know, playing with his dad and whatnot. Um, that's one of our fondest memories growing up um, is playing video games. He, he, I mean, he was, he introduced us to him, right. To, to basketball video games. He introduced us to double dribble. He actually passed away um, in 2020. And, um, but we have a lot of memories playing, you know, double dribble with him. And I remember sitting at the end of my bunk bed in my footy pajamas playing um, Jordan versus bird with him when I was like five, four or five years old, um, you know, doing the three point contest and whatnot. Um, you know, we played NBA fast break 98 um, NCAA basketball, the original NBA 2k, like all of that stuff. I played with my dad. He actually had this obsession for like two months with Dick Vitale's awesome baby college basketball for Sega Genesis. So we played that a ton. And that game actually has very similar gameplay and aesthetic to NCAA basketball for Super NES. In fact, it's like a like a, like a brother of it. Like when you actually play that game, um, it has the blue crowd and everything. Um, so, yeah, I would say that um, playing with family members or like you played with your cousin, me playing with my brothers and whatnot. It, it is the ultimate experience. I think that you create the most memories that way. And those are the moments that are the most special. Absolutely. I mean, look, I've got a lot of fun memories just playing, you know, just enjoying it as a solo activity, playing Dynasty in uh, Live 06 and Live 2004 and all my career as well. But being able to jump on there with the guys for NLC Thrill Ho, playing with my cousin, having my dad get down and, and uh, on, the, on the floor with me and, uh, and play some games back in the day or around the PC and just, uh, you know, just making it more of a, uh, a social activity, if you will. And of course, even in high school, when some of my friends weren't really into basketball anymore, but they still enjoyed playing NBA hang time. Uh, yeah, gaming is, uh, is far from a, it can be a great solo activity, but it's obviously a great social activity as well. And uh, yeah, it's brought us a lot of joy. It's really fun to reflect on that at, uh, at this time of the year. And, and obviously, a lot of Christmas memories uh, tied up in that as well. No, absolutely. Um, but yeah, you know, to wrap this episode up, I just want to thank the community again. I'm very thankful for you and, you know, your support for our content and whatnot. And, you know, all the mods that you've created, rosters you've created, um, the stories and highlights that you've shared and everything. Um, you know, thank you for being a part of the NLSC. And, you know, thanks for being a positive part of what both Andrew and I do on a daily basis. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your support throughout 2022. More fun is coming in 2023. So uh, please stay tuned. With that being said, that has brought us to the end of this week's show. As always, we thank you for tuning in and invite you to join us again next week, either on the NLSC, mb-live.com, our YouTube channel, or your podcast app of choice. 
In the meantime, please connect with us on social media. That's where you can get in touch with us and, of course, stay up to date with all of our content. So, Derek, go ahead and plug the handles. Yeah, you can reach me on Twitter at D43G and at D4384. I am on YouTube, D43, and also on the NLSC, D43. I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. Our Instagram is NLSC Basketball. We're on YouTube at youtube.com slash Center. And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. So, thank you once again for tuning in. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>